Well, good morning. My name is Ryan Schreckengast, and I'm one of the preachers here at GFC. And I am terrified of roller coasters. Uh, and this is not because I'm afraid of heights. I actually really like heights. Uh, it's not because I'm scared of thrills or, or adrenaline. Uh, it's because I know too many engineers. Uh, I, I actually tutored a guy in college who aspired to be a roller coaster engineer. Uh, and, and I have not been on a roller coaster since the day that he graduated. <laughs> um, and not all engineers that I've known are, are like this guy. Uh, many of them I would trust completely. Uh, so let me ask a question to those of you this morning who have put your faith in Jesus and those of you who may be considering doing the same thing. Let me ask you, what kind of engineer is Jesus? Who is it in whom you are putting your faith? And I mean, who is he really? Not the Sunday school catechism, my parents believe, uh, children's song kind of answer. I mean, really. And I want you to seriously question this morning the character of this person that we call Jesus Christ. And seriously ask yourself... If that character is something in which you can rest your life. Because the character of a person really matters, doesn't it? And friends, make no mistake that we are all hanging far more than our lives on the character of this person. I want you to ask this question this morning because I think that this is the question that Luke wants his audience to ask. And he is eager to answer it. He can't wait. We will see today Luke answer this question in two ways. First, the character of Jesus is one of authority. And second, the character of Jesus is one of compassion. Over the past months, we've been reading through the book of Luke. And you'll see the map of the book there in, the, in, in your bulletins. And I bring attention to this today because uh, the text that we're reading this morning marks a shift in the focus of the book of Luke. The past several weeks have been focused on the teachings of Jesus. And today we start a new section where we will see what the result of those teachings should be. Namely, salvation through faith. So as we read today's text, Luke 7, 1 through 17 which is on page 811, if you have one of the church Bibles, ask yourself this question. Who is Jesus? And can I really put my faith in him? Let's start by reading Luke 7, 1 through 10, and see how Jesus demonstrates a character of authority. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion who had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him. 
for he loves our nation. And he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. And another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. So in verse 1, we see this transition that I mentioned from Jesus teaching his disciples in the hearing of the people to this story which takes place in Capernaum. So when the first new encounter that we hear about here is between Jesus and the Jewish elders and a leading representative of the occupying force of Rome, we should be aware that there are some pretty high stakes involved in this interaction. Especially when you consider that the centurion is a Roman military officer, which was in Israel as an occupying force. The Jewish elders would have had every reason to hate and fear this centurion. Especially if they were being sent by him on his behalf to speak to Jesus. This would be like asking a diehard Marvel fan to go promote the latest DC film. Or the coaches of the Penn State football team to file a petition on behalf of Ohio State. So it's amazing to see here how these men describe the centurion. Especially taken in light of the warnings that we just read of Jesus teaching about hypocrisy. Remember that Jesus just taught in chapter 6 that people are like trees. They produce fruit according to their nature. Luke 6.45 says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So pay attention here to the fruit, the words and the deeds of this centurion. In verse 2, we see that he highly values his servant. And in verses 4 through 6, the Jewish elders plead his case earnestly before Jesus, saying, he loves our nation and he built us our synagogue. Our place of worship. So it seems pretty clear that the fruit of this centurion's life springs from a good treasure. And because of that treasure and the fruit of that, the elders are sincere in their desire to see salvation come to this centurion's servant. But as Jesus approaches the house... 
the centurion demonstrates a faith that is so amazing that it marvels the all-knowing Son of God. And this faith is expressed through a right understanding of the authority of Jesus. The centurion could have pointed to his own authority. I am a representative of Rome, the most powerful nation on earth, and the conqueror of Israel. You do what I say. Or he could have pointed to his own worthiness. I love your people. I built them the synagogue. But instead, he understands the authority of Jesus. And so he says in verses 6 through 8, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man under authority. His whole petition rests on his understanding of the character of Jesus. I have authority over men. When I say jump, they ask how high. When I say go, they don't even stop to ask how far. They just go. I can accomplish my will through my authority over men. And Jesus, you have authority over life itself. You don't even need to come under my roof to exercise your authority. Your word is enough. Speak and it will be done. Friends, this is faith. Not just a passive belief, but a real Active faith. A deep knowledge of the understanding of the character of Jesus, which dictates his actions. A complete understanding of his authority isn't that his authority isn't something that can be questioned or resisted. So why does Jesus say in verse 9 that not even in Israel have I found such faith? Because this soldier gets it. He understands the authority of Jesus. And that understanding generates faith. Even after all of the miracles and all of the signs, even after the testimony of John the Baptist and the healings, God's own people don't understand his authority. They dispute Jesus' authority to heal on the Sabbath. They question his authority to forgive sin. They doubt his origin from God the Father. And even their plea here, earnest though it was, focuses on how worthy the centurion is. We've heard this from the Jewish leaders in past chapters, haven't we? Repeatedly expecting Jesus to do miracles because of how worthy they are. But this Roman centurion understands. His love, the things that he does for God, do not make him worthy. They're the fruit of his heart. It's not his character 
but the character of Jesus that's relevant here. So how does this help us to answer the question, should we put our faith in Jesus? Friends, let the authority of Jesus Christ establish your faith. Faith isn't what you do when you have a lack of understanding. Faith is what you do when you have a more complete understanding. If Jesus lacks authority over sin and death, then you and I, my friends, are responsible for paying the penalty of our own shortcomings before God. If he has no authority in heaven, then we stand condemned before a just God. But because Jesus does have authority, he is able to to mediate for us and to pay from his own account for our lives. So make that faith the treasure of your heart. And when you do that, you will bear fruit in keeping with righteousness. It will overflow into every area of your life. You will pay taxes like you have faith in Jesus. You will love your spouse like you have faith in Jesus. You will make a career choice like you have faith in Jesus. When we understand his authority... His unassailable, absolute right to speak and be obeyed, even by death itself, then where else would we put our faith? In Romans 8, Paul is exhorting the church to face the sufferings in life with faith. Romans 8, 33 through 35 says this, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Love. That brings us to the next critical aspect of Jesus' character. His love. And friends, this is just as important to our faith as his authority. An all-powerful God may still be impersonal. He may still be distant. But a loving God makes a way to draw close to us. Even when we are far. Which is exactly where Luke goes next. Read Luke 7, 11 through 17. And see that Jesus' character is one of compassion. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out. The only son of his mother. And she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her. He had 
compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the buyer and the bearer stood still and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all and they glorified God saying, A great prophet has arisen among us and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. So here we have another scene change. And picture Jesus approaching the gates of this town with a great crowd following him, as it says in verse 11. And presumably, they're tired, they're looking forward to the end of their journey, a place to rest, to find food. But the city gate is clogged by another considerable crowd, according to verse 12. They were following out a widow who is going to bury her only son. The attitude of this crowd would have been very different than the one following Jesus. His crowd may have been hopeful, looking forward to a night in town. While the widow's crowd would have been subdued. Witnessing the grief and the hopelessness of this woman. And don't miss the fact that this woman's outlook was hopeless. In that culture, without a husband or a son to care for her and to provide, she would have been reduced to begging or possibly worse to survive at all. In many ways, this woman seems to be a complete opposite to the centurion. He has hundreds under his command. She no longer has even her son. He has wealth to build buildings. And she has nothing. He sent men to speak to Jesus on his behalf. And she in this story didn't even speak up for herself. But despite that, and despite the great crowd, Jesus sees only one person a widow, a mother. A hopeless woman. And when the Lord saw her in verse 13, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. This moment is all about Jesus and this woman. The crowd and even the man who's about to be raised from the dead are secondary. He sees her, he feels her grief, and he responds. The word compassion comes from the Latin root that means to suffer with. Jesus experiences this woman's suffering. And so he brings life. Life to her son... And life to her through the restoration of her son to her in verse 15. Friends, the centurion and this woman are not different. They are more similar 
than any of these surface differences. They are both in desperate need of a savior. They have no hope apart from him. And that is the character of our savior. One of compassion of taking our sufferings on himself. There is no greater picture of this than what Jesus did on the cross. As Paul talks about the reconciliation of God to sinners that occurred through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, he says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he, that is God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, the love of God the Father coupled with the compassion of Jesus allows us to become righteousness. Jesus brings life through his loving compassion, suffering with us death, the consequences of our sin, though he himself was sinless. He suffers with us and for us. Hebrews four fourteen through 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace To help us in our time of need. This is the character of Jesus. He not only has authority to offer mercy as the son of God. He has compassion. And he sympathizes with us. He loves us. And not just us collectively as part of a crowd. He loves us. You, you, the widow, you, the grieving mother, you, the addict, you, the abused, Jesus loves you. He saw one woman in the midst of a crowd and he sees you hidden and feeling alone. Unknown in the midst of a crowd. But you are not suffering alone. Jesus loves you. So how does this help us answer the question, should we put our faith in Jesus? Friends, let the compassion of Jesus Christ establish your faith. Because of Christ's compassion, we can draw near to the throne of God 
with confidence. We receive mercy and grace from God rather than judgment. Not because of how worthy we are, but because of the great love of God and the compassion and the authority of Jesus Christ. And friends, this must be the foundation of our faith. Nothing less will be enough. We cannot expect our good deeds to be enough. We cannot expect even our good intentions to be enough. If you recognize this morning your desperate need, your complete lack of anything to make you worthy to come before the throne of God, then friends, you are in good, good company. Just like the centurion, just like the widow, only the person of Jesus Christ is enough. And as we understand that, our faith in him is established. That his character has both the authority and the compassion. It has to be both. If Jesus had only authority and no compassion, then there would be no reason for God to draw close to us who are his enemies. Or if Jesus had only compassion and no authority, then we would each be subject to receive the wages for our sin before a righteous God. In Romans 5, Paul describes this joy that comes through our faith established by Christ. Verse 6 says, For while we were still weak, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And verses 8 and 9. But God shows his love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. The love of God sent Jesus and the authority of Jesus paid the way for our reconciliation with God, saving us from his wrath. Friends, it must be both. So, who is Jesus? And can you really put your faith in him? Jesus is the son of God with full authority over death itself. There is no other name higher than his. None could question his word because he is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word and his compassion. Fully comprehending our weakness and the sin that we face. His love and the father's love sent him to become sin for us. That we could become God's righteousness. And that friends transforms us forever. 
So can you really put your faith in Jesus? Yes, you can put your faith in Jesus. Yes, because he is both authorized and loving. You can confidently come before the throne of God to receive grace. Let's pray. God, Lord, we thank you this morning, Father, for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, there is none like him. And we are in awe this morning of who he is. Lord, nothing that we do could make us worthy. But Lord, you are worthy. And you sent your son, God, to pay what we could never pay. And God, as we understand that, we put our faith in Jesus. We ask you, God, to look on him when you look on us, God. Now, Father, for those of us who are asking this question this morning of whether or not your son Jesus can be trusted with their lives, God, I pray right now that you would establish their faith in a way they have never considered possible before. And for those of us who believe this already, I pray, Lord, that you would make it more than just belief in our life, that you would make it true faith. We praise you, Jesus. Amen.